0: They have to bring the seniors back to to transfer down the knowledge. And so this is where I think there's going to be a big issue is there'll be an issue of shortage of labor, but there's going to be a big issue matched with that of shortage of knowledge.
1: Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today is Shannon Tomasco. She's a third year electrical apprentice and skilled trades ambassador. She originally completed a child and youth work diploma where she found a passion for people, mental health and learning. Being an advocate for the skilled trades has allowed Shannon to take her passion for people that she found while being a child and youth worker and combine it with her new love for the trades. She's done incredible things bringing attention and awareness to the trades. Welcome to the show, Shannon.
0: Well, thank you very much, Todd, for having me here today. Um, uh, such a nice introduction, and I'm so excited to chat.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to to get to talk with you. I, I see you all over my my LinkedIn feed, and so it's it's fun to get to talk with you in person. Well, via Zoom, in, in person via Zoom.
0: <laughs> yes, it's as a person as we get in 2022, although things are changing, things are now changing. Uh, we're we're able to start visiting people, which is nice.
1: Yeah, I actually had just. This week, I recorded uh, my first in-person, like face-to-face podcast episode in over two years, and it was—it was actually kind of strange. I, I had forgotten how to do things in person. I was like, "Wait a second, <laughs> my my normal setup isn't here."
0: <laughs> right. So you—it's so odd to just kind of reconnect with people, and and you know those even you know without the mask, you know like. Um, those yeah. little social cues that we get and, you know, we've talked to talk about child development and as a child, youth worker, you know, people have said to me little things like children, they learn so much about speech through being able to oh, see yeah. the mouths, being able to form words. And so without that kind of stuff and just social cues, like anyways, it's good. It's good. We can bring those things back so everybody can start, you know, getting back to normal, and excited.
1: Yeah. For me, a quick aside, uh, getting back in, it was the handshake that was the the most awkward. For me coming back in, it was like, do you shake somebody's hands? Do you like fist pump? Do you like elbow? Like, I, I don't know. So you do like this weird, like hand dance thing. <laughs> I'm over that now, but <laughs> it was weird for a little bit.
0: <laughs> the hand dance is the new norm. <laughs>
1: that's right. That's right.
0: <laughs> hand elbow, uh, hand elbow. What do we do? <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: right. What do you do? I don't know. Uh, so you have the background in child and youth work. How does that background get pulled into the traits?
0: Well, they don't really necessarily often overlap, but you know, there's definitely a lot of um, things that I learned through child and youth work about people, about myself. You know, I often think back. You know, the schooling experience was, you know, three years of self-discovery, learning about, you know, people and myself included, and mental health, and um, you know, and and I think it just really made me, you know, open to people, and and um, everybody is different. Um, no two people are alike and and so being open to that difference um, and you know and sadly a child youth work is not one of those jobs that you can thrive on it's one of those jobs you just survive on and one of the things I learned when I was you know later in life after I had this piece of paper that most people you know work so hard to get is you know my piece of paper really didn't say, hold much relevance but my piece of paper I was applying against, you know, other people with experience, not the same piece of paper. So, as a child youth worker, I was applying against, you know, social service workers, public service workers, psychiatry, psychiatry makers, psychology majors, TAs, EAs. Like the list goes on, and you know, it's experience I was applying against, and I found it really difficult to get a well-paying job because there's just so many people qualified for that job. And so, one of the things I really learned to love about the skilled trades is. You get this like piece of paper. It's a barrier to entry. I talk to a lot of youth. And so I talk about this piece of paper. Not every job has a barrier to entry. There's a handful of jobs out there. Teachers, you know, skilled trades workers, doctors, you have to have a piece of paper that says you've gone through the experience, the training to do that job. And it's not like, you know, Bob, the builder can just try to be electrical today. He, no, he had to gone through the appropriate training. So it's something I really learned to appreciate about the skilled trades is that value that you get with that piece of paper, you know, once mm-hmm. you get to call yourself a journey person.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to dive into that, but before we, we do, uh, you, you know, you mentioned the, the, the people side, uh, was a kind of a, a draw and your experience with, with child and youth and the, the self-discovery and mental health kind of on that side of things help kind of set you up for the, the skilled trades, uh. I think it's interesting because at, at first uh, glance, people might not think of construction and, you know, the the people side as, as really jiving together. You know, the, the knock on construction is that they kind of push the, the emotions and, and the people side to the side and come in and do your job. And obviously, you, you got to do your job. But that people side is, is really an undervalued uh, component to it. Uh, how did the we'll we'll talk me through that on your side and your experience how was it with uh, relating to people and being uh, having that passion for people coming into the the industry
0: well i think specifically as like a women in the skilled trades there's different challenges you know when you're just you know we are different men and women are different i'm not saying we don't we don't deserve equality but we are different right and i like to often think about you know we're at nature we are animals just like every animal we evolve with different you know things presented in front of us and so men for the most part are hunters women are for the most part gatherers you know men had to go sit out and deal you know in the forest with you know hunting they sat there for an eight-hour shift waiting for one deer hoping him brain and like how boring is that eight-hour shift where women, you know, we are having to multitask and feed people and doing these different things. And slowly, naturally, those things have evolved. But it does make us different. And I think what child youth work has done for me, and those kind of soft skills is, you know, the truth is, is you know, skilled trades, the, you know, the men of the workers in general have not had exposure to many women. And so, you know, it's given me a little bit more of appreciation going in. It's given me a little bit more patience, knowing that, i am different to them i may be overwhelming to them like first thing in the morning my voice is not what they want to hear and i know that right so i have to appreciate respect that because it's you know part of the process and it's not a personal thing it's just some people don't want to hear a lot first thing in the morning it just tends to be the majority men right cuz they're still waking up so I, I've, I've been able to take that, what I've learned about, you know, people and, and you know, just how they are so different. And um, instead of, you know, reacting necessarily on a, on a construction site to how somebody might be, be a little more patient, understanding. And that's and something I'd like to see more of. You know, mm-hmm. I think, you know, we know culture and the skilled trades or construction is, you know, not quite caught up to some of the other places, you know, business kind of places. And we really do need to have more better understanding for people, respect to, and stuff for people. And, um, we need to progress that a little bit in the skilled trades. And so, um, slowly that will come. Um, but I think everybody will, will earn from that, you know, we'll, we'll benefit from that.
1: Yeah. How should the construction industry start to, uh, put more focus on that, that people side of things or is there kind of low-hanging fruit that that you see that like yeah this should be pretty universal
0: i see the question like uh, it's really hard like how do you make change and i think you know i've thought about it a lot i've been asked this question a lot i think change is going to come natural in this circumstance i don't think there's one like you know oh this is the solution we're going to enforce it change will come when women naturally come and there's more of us right there's just there's something about nature like we're still an animal base we we are humans when there's one versus the rest it's proven over history over the years that people just go with the masses and so Mm -hmm. again with with more women joining you know the environment starts changing once you have two three four women naturally the environment starts changing the conversation amongst the The teams start changing. People can be a little bit more vulnerable. You know, men can start, you know, talking about their babies maybe a little bit more because you know the guys don't want to hear it. But you know, my I'm over here like, oh, let me see a cute baby picture today, right? So we change the environment a little bit, but you can't force that change. It's just with women and with diversity that will change.
1: Yeah, it's organic.
0: organic, Yeah, I think that's the only answer to that question, to be honest. And Mm -hmm. there's no one answer.
1: Hey innovators, is there a way to prepare your company for successful implementation of technological innovation? After over 115 episodes, talking with some of the best minds in the construction industry, the answer is a resounding yes. There are building blocks that you can put into place that will form the foundation for your company to successfully implement technology. I have compiled my thoughts from those conversations into a new ebook, Simply titled "Foundational Building Blocks for Successful Tech Adoption." You can download the ebook for free at our website, bridgingthegappod.com. After you have, I'd love to hear your feedback. As always, keep innovating. Yeah. So, how do you? You know, when you're talking with with other women, how? What, what do you say about construction? Well, why should they get in? Why is it a, a good? field and, and career for women?
0: Well, and this is the thing, I think it's a great career for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many benefits, you know, the re- why was I originally drawn to the industry? Well, my friend bought a house, like he bought a house, he wanted to rip out the kitchen, do some renovations. And, you know, like, I wanted to help him. And I just learned that I enjoyed this process. And yeah. what I enjoyed most was like, that that feeling of pride when I finished building something, and you only know that from experiencing it. And so, you know, I think it's a it's a job for anybody that that you know you build confidence from competence, right? From doing something, failing, and eventually being successful. And it's a natural process going to work. You're presented with something new, you build a little more confidence, and so that in itself is amazing about construction. And I wish more people you know, realize the physical and mental health benefits of physical activity and, and those kind of challenges. And the other thing I, I would love women to young people, cause I think there is so many misunderstandings about or misperceptions about the skilled trades, why we can't do that job. You know, and it's probably some of the things that kept me back. You know, one of the big ones is dirty, it's a dirty job who wants to do that job. And when I talk to young people, what I like to do is I compare you know, electrical, because that's what I am in, but with a nurse job or a child and youth work job, which is what I did. And when I think about dirty and child and youth work, let me tell you, in that job, I was wiping bums, right? I was wiping on some days, strangers bums, because as a supply teacher or a supply TA, this is your kid today. Like how, that's, that's a, that's a dirty job wiping a stranger's bum, right? Kid <laughs> yeah. or not. Yeah. And so sure. nurses do that everywhere. Dirty is perception, Right, like, um, would you rather go play in the dirt like a gardener or, no, and or change some bums and and nurses is a predominantly female, you know, industry, and so that's why I like to use them. And you know, let's take a look at some other things that people are held back with the skilled trades. You know, it's it's noisy, right? Oh, it's too much noise. Well, they provide you PPE, personal protective equipment, like you know, earplugs. Do you think nurses and child youth workers get to say, child today, you're just a little too loud. I'm going to go ahead and butt those earplugs. That is not an acceptable practice, right? You know, what about not strong enough? This is one I think that keeps many people back.
1: Mm.
0: How many nurses, mothers, women out there are lifting grown children? Let's be honest, because they, they still want to sit on mommy's lap, right? Grown children or patients because they need to get to the bathroom, 50 pounds or more, definitely on, on some occasions. So if there are nurses and women everywhere able to do that, why can't you be a skilled trades worker? Because there are rules and laws in place that make, make, make it not like so employers can't ask you to do those things, to not exceed a certain amount to keep you safe. And so it's, you know, I think there's so much misperception behind, you know, the skilled trades, but when you really compare the two jobs, it's like, well, I guess it's just perception. Because a nurse job is equally dirty, equally noisy, equally, you know, heavy work. And the biggest one, unsafe. You know, as a construction worker, I have the right to refuse unsafe work. I can say this situation, you know, we need to do some modifications. So, you know, I, it's safe. And there's laws that let me do that. Nurses can't do that. Police officers can't do that. Firefighters can't do that. They can't be like, oh, today that fire, I don't feel like running into that burning fire. <laughs> right. Like, so there are some right. jobs you can't say no to. Construction workers have the ability to keep, you know, people safe because they of course there's times you're you're unsafe. So it's all about perception. Women, you know, most certainly, if they've ever considered being a mother or a caretaker, they can definitely be a construction worker.
1: Mm. I think that is brilliant. Uh, uh, all of that, that reframing the conversation around that and putting it really into perspective—that's uh, spot on. So, uh, w- one of the things that I admire about you, Shannon, is your willingness to to put yourself out there and to kind of share your your stories and your experience in the trades with people, you know, on social and in the industry outside the industry. What do you think that the industry can do as as a whole to help kind of? Uh, change the the perception and, and kind of reframe the the conversation to put an accurate portrayal of the industry.
0: Well, and I I think education is power. This is the answer I think to many of things. Education. If you don't know, how would you even consider it as an option? Think about it. It's not. If it's not in your in your world, then you won't know. so education mm-hmm. is the biggest thing we can do for people everywhere. and I don't mean like education we step in at grade eleven, you know, when they're picking their university and college options, and we're like, oh, by the way, there's this for people who don't who can't make it because this is also a misperception about the uneducated well,
1: yeah, yeah, it's not a fallback plan. it's a great plan A
0: <laughs> right. We're going to school to make sure you are safe, absolutely, right And so you know um i think um you know the industry can and can start by educating people not grade 11 grade 12 but much younger we need to change the mindsets of of young people and when i say young people i mean like we need to start when we're reading books two years old one year how old are we when we start reading books to kids sometimes they're they're You know, your first baby, you're reading it to it. It's like one week old, right? Like we're reading books to these children so early. And what are some of the messages that we send in some of these books? How many Barbie the builders are there? It's all Bob the builder, right? So we need to start presenting young people with, you know, role models with more more construction women, construction workers, diverse construction workers, because let's be honest, it's mostly a white male situation out there, right? So diversity across the board, we need to make this, you know, something that people can see and mm-hmm. they know it's an option starting young. And the reason I say this is I'm, I'm, I I'm, have a unique situation where I, I've got a nephew, he's about five, he's a quite bright five-year-old. And I'm like the only construction worker in my family, like registered construction worker, Worker. I have a couple talented people who, you know, side, do side things at home. But when things have broken in the house, his first response, even though he knows Auntie Shannon is a construction worker and Shannon brings him tools, like he knows who I am. He turns to the boys to fix things. And when I say the boys, I mean like accountants. bankers. <laughs> Like like,
1: they're not going to fix it. Come on,
0: Maybe, but like, I'm right here today. Like when, why, like, you know, Auntie Shannon can most certainly do that. And, and I think it's like conditioning. So like, you know, when he steps out of the house and he goes to daycare, immediately he's, he's, there's other kids that are talking, there's other, you know, messages being sent. And so we have to change the message. Um, and in the industry, we can, we need to start talking about that younger.
1: Yeah. I love that. So I have a lot of kids. Uh, my, my oldest is six. And there's something just immensely cool and fascinating built in, I think, to little kids of watching a construction site. It was, has always been one of my, my oldest favorite activities. It's just going and sitting and just watching all the activity. And I think by encouraging that, just be like, yeah, go, go look at it. Go go up to All the people, and you know, start asking them questions and stuff, and uh, exposing them at a young age. I think it really just helps make it uh, more real, normal. Yeah, real. It's just yeah. It's this is a great thing to do. (laughs)
0: Lego set you get at Christmas that brings you joy when you finish it. You know, these are real life things that you could do. Yeah, and like you know, you could bring your kid to work and watch you sit at a desk. That like. Truth be told, it probably isn't very interesting to watch us podcast right now. Like any kid <laughs> out of their mind, but if it was a construction site, like they've got things to watch. And the thing about kids that we, I think not we, but just society, maybe they are sponges. Their job, it, their job is to learn. And, you know, I've watched my cousin, you know, raise her, her couple of kids. And one of the biggest things that I've taken away is they are not too young to talk to them about that's of course age appropriate things, but my nephew was saying esophagus at three, you know, he knew the entire digestive system because we, we told him we like, well, let's give this a go next thing, you know, he is saying it, but if as the parent, you underestimate your kid and you're like, nope, that's too complicated. You don't know what your kid's capable of. And so I think too often we don't challenge our kids enough. They are so smart. It's their job right now to learn, 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 learn. And that's what they're doing when they're watching a construction site. They are taking it all in like a little machine yeah i find children fascinating just like that's where the child youth where it can be you know still kind
1: of oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah i think one of my dean my oldest is, one of his first words was articulated holler and i was like what <laughs> how can you say that and he's like they're cool daddy and i'm like all right I, they are cool i, I agree <laughs> uh, right? so why do you think there is this kind of still this divide between blue collar and white collar jobs and careers. And we, we put this in this weird hierarchy that seems quite frankly, to me, really outdated.
0: Well, it's interesting. Cause like, I think our, are not our, well, my parents, my dad's 70. Right. So like his parents came, you know, from Europe, the, the grandparents of the kind of our generation, the baby mm-hmm. boomers and a little bit, they came from a generation where most of the jobs were more skilled labor or laborist jobs. Mm-hmm. And you know what? those were probably sometimes unsafe. They didn't mm-hmm. have things in, rules in place. You know, there are still times you run into some of the older people on sites and they're missing digits because there wasn't things in place. Sure. And so there is this mis- misunderstanding about, you know, because that's what was, that's what was was. And so there are those parents fought so hard to, to make sure their kids didn't work as hard as they did. Mm -hmm. right and you know go in unsafe situations but the problem is is not everybody you know well not everybody is made for school for one like it's not the best learning environment for everybody like you Mm -hmm. know that's why can we the apprenticeship process is so valued we value the hands-on learning you know school is important too but if you can't learn every you can't learn how to use a hammer from a book you have to do it and so you know that's why we value the apprenticeship process but the problem is is schools only kind of offer this one option. They do, like, we can't say they don't offer it, but it's not talked about, it's not educated enough. And I I learned this recently, I went to a career fair for high school students. And, you know, of course, no kid wanted to be there, right? But every parent was like, oh, tell me, tell me, tell me. And their questions told me that they had no idea about how apprenticeships work. You know, where do I go apply for these programs? You know, what, like they just, the questions, they were so, clueless and I was like you know it, it, it really brought into light that we need to um, educate the whole society parents included you know we need to I, to me to be honest the university de- degree and diploma I there's value there a hundred percent again that barrier to entry there are some jobs you need to you need that I see value there mm-hmm. but most times you come out and you get this piece of paper and for me I got a minimum wage job with a lot of debt and the thing is, a lot of employers these days, they get two resumes. They know they still need to train you for your job. University didn't set you up for this job. So right. now they have two resumes. They're presented with education, no education. Well, they know education probably has debt. So you actually cost them more money, but you don't bring maybe any extra value because they still have to train you. So, you know, the the person with that piece of paper is starting to become a co- more costly to employers because they know they can... They can do it without that piece of paper. Um, and it's just, you know, our parents probably, not everybody had high school diplomas.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now everybody, like you can't fail kids. I'm pretty sure like in, in Canada now, you're not allowed to fail people. And I'm not saying there's, you know, we want to we support them through the process, but we definitely need to make sure that they're getting the proper education and we're not just pushing them through the system. Right. Right? Like, you know, stop, maybe get a a teacher that can help that individual catch up to where everybody, not just push them through. Right. Because then there's, you know, everybody's got this piece of paper. Right. Um, So apprenticeships need to be discussed, talked about, people, parents, children. um, How do you become a tradesperson is the question.
1: The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com And let them know we sent you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, What do you think some of the, the biggest challenges have been for you that you've had to overcome in the trades?
0: And this is, this is so, this is the next, it's kind of like such a comp, like it just, I don't even know what the right word is. Biggest challenges is finding an apprenticeship. So here it's kind of like you know, parents are like, how do I do that? And I'm like, well, you just go find it. But the hardest part is finding, finding it. <laughs> and so, and it's catch not there. Right. It's a catch. 22. It is not because it's not because finding it, doing the process is hard. The process is easy. It's that there's not, there's not many available. It's the Mm. contract. In my mind, it's the contractors need to get a little bit more on board because what's happening. And what I saw in in my hiring process is there were many jobs out there for third, fourth, fifth year apprentices. Well, those aren't your entry level first and second years. Like, so as a person who's like, I want to be a person, whatever it might be, plumber, electrician, you're like searching for first year apprentices and you can't find one. So like, Because they just don't exist because of contractors, of course, and I get it, who wants to take on the greenest of green, which means nobody, someone with no skill, I -hmm. totally get it. They need to realize and respect that they're part of a very important process. um, And that's training the next generation.
1: Right. Well, and we have a skilled labor shortage. And if we're not (laughs) putting anybody new into the pipeline, we're just making that problem way worse every single year.
0: Well, and part of the, I feel like we do have a skilled trade shortage or there will be, there's, there will be lots of retirement coming a hundred percent, but I'm not working right now. What does that tell you? Like, where's the demand if I'm not working? And so there is a demand for cheap labor more so than there is a demand for skilled trades labor, because they don't want to pay. They, they want to pay $20 an hour of a qualified person who, who's, you know, been paid, being paid $55 an hour, and that's what they're worth. And so there's two challenges there. There will be a shortage, a huge shortage, you know, a lot of people are retiring. I've heard, you know, some companies, you know, retire their seniors, all of a sudden they realize they have nobody on board who knows how to op. They have employees, but to operate what they just were, you know, in in control of, they have to bring the seniors back to to transfer down the knowledge. And so this is where I think there's going to be a big issue is, There'll be an issue of shortage of labor, but there's going to be a big issue matched with that of shortage of knowledge, Mm -hmm. a lack of knowledge, because for example, something like electrical, I know that there is knob and tube. I've never seen it. I'm a third year apprentice. Like you, you, most times you're going into new builds You're, you know, people have upgraded things, but I know that exists. I've never seen it. I've never worked on it. So one day, five, six years, 10 years, 20 years from now, I run into a situation that's knob and tube. The seniors are now long gone. And so who's gonna fix that problem? So we need to start passing down lo- knowledge. And that's where I say that the contractors really need to get on board part of this process and realize how important they are um, to, to making you know, that whole process work. think
1: mm-hmm. that's a great point to, to bring up because it- in the skilled trades, it is, it, the information is in somebody's head. The, it, there's, You're skilled for a reason because you have experience, uh, going back to the hands-on aspect of it, you have that hands-on real-world experience. But if you, if you haven't experienced something, you don't have that hands-on real-world experience. So you got to get it from somewhere. And I think by kind of taking down some of the, the silos and barriers of communication uh, across the, the industry, I think we got to do a better job of that for sure.
0: hundred percent. And, um, I, I really think that the the journeyman process is such a, a special process. You know, there's the university process. And I, I said earlier, what is an apprenticeship? You know, so to answer that question, an apprenticeship is an alternative and I don't even like alternative, but it's the same equivalent to schooling. Sure. It's just, you know, you do it on, on site and you get paid for it. Um, and so, The process is, you know, you start as an apprentice, which is a student. That's what I am. I go to work every day to not know, to learn, right? And when I say the the process, I think the very important thing is that everybody needs to respect the process. And as the first step in it, as an apprentice or student, you must be responsible for your learning, ask questions, be attentive, show up every day, be punctual, all those things, hard worker. And then the next step is the journeyman. They're the teacher right? So there's the, the guy that stands at the front of the classroom, um, you know, and, and Brent passes down all his knowledge. You know, the difference is, again, we believe the value of, of learning hands-on, right? Like mm-hmm. you can't learn everything in a book. You know, the book normally te- teaches you the right answer, how something's supposed to be. Doesn't cannot tell you all the troubleshooting and There's never all the troubleshooting solutions in there, and that's the value of the journeyman. And then the last part of the process is that contractor, you know, that takes on both the apprentice and the journeyman, knowing that it's a learning environment and that they are creating that for both of them. And so it's such an important process. It's the same as going to school. I I talked about three people, student, teacher, contractors, the university. That's the difference. And the biggest difference is, is you are not paying anybody to learn, right? The contractor university is paying you to be there and take on that knowledge. Um, and so that's what I love so much about the apprenticeship process. And, you know, what I wish more people knew is it's, you know, such a journey to success versus journey to debt.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you were describing that, it, it struck me that you used the word alternative and then you said you didn't like it. It's, it's funny that it has been positioned now as the quote alternative to college. When really, if, if you look back on all of world history <laughs> the apprenticeship model is how it has been always done that the college model is the newer model that's technically the alternative model to the the apprenticeship that's the classic cliche model that has been going on for thousands and thousands of years as somebody passes on their knowledge to somebody else and takes on an apprentice um it, it's just an interesting kind of thought <laughs>
0: And that just shows you how much that like, and I, you know, not to say like shows you how much people have control. Let's be honest, universities and colleges have huge amounts of money. They're of course controlling the, you know, the advertising, they don't want people taking the cheaper route. Right. right. And so that's where, you know, it, it's a shame to me. Cause I do think there is a little bit of, you know, financial reasons behind it, you know, um, not, not versus just, you know, educating our, 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 country Mm -hmm. um you know because i really i read a book once i read a book it's called half the sky and it talked about like oppression women's oppression around the world and one of the things they talked about was the countries that you know leave their workforce their women workforce at home there's still a handful out there where you know they don't go to work Mm -hmm. and what they made point is they compared iq a country's iq to like a country's resource like oil lumber like IQ is a resource. And when you mm-hmm. leave half of it home, you're only doing your country a disservice. And you're only doing in the States, in Canada, the industry a disservice because you're doing the same thing, leaving half of the IQ at home. Together, we are stronger. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked again, that male and different, male and female. Together, we have weaknesses and strength that makes us, you know, better as a whole, you know, together.
1: Yeah, yeah I more than agree. It takes the, the collective to empower it and, and really get the, the best of all aspects, all different personalities, different knowledge types, different backgrounds, different, different, everything. The, the difference is, is, is the strength, not a, not a weakness or something to overcome.
0: hundred percent. I love that.
1: Uh, well, what's something that you wish you knew before you entered the industry?
0: I feel like I knew this. But I wanted to believe differently. I feel like you know the, the the child youth worker, the person who kind of went through psychology of me knew better, but I wanted to believe different. i I felt that I could be one of you know one of the guys you know like eventually I could I could prove I could be one of the sisters of this brotherhood or you know and not to say that we don't have I don't have moments with individuals and I think they're all great like I but what The truth is, is I still know they're human. And again, I kind of talked about this over history. It's been proven that with the masses, you go, you know, and I don't even even feel fault or blame for them. Right. But, you know, I will in those moments when it's just me and them, you know, maybe after there's a few more, but just me and them, I will never be one of the guys. They will never under hundred percent relate to me. and i I hope that changes. Um, but i've I've had to you know be a little bit more safe safe you know cautious and guard mm-hmm. you know myself and stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's sad, but i I hear what you're saying with that for sure. Do you think that
0: well, the same thing goes for any man who works in a female dominated yeah. sure. industry? right? If you're the only male, you're working with nurses at the end of the day, again, it's going to be the masses with the one. And so again, I, and I worked in a previously female dominated, predominantly dominated industry. So I I've seen both sides. I've seen how I've seen both sides. And, um, it's again, it's nature. It's human. I can't, it's like, I can't even blame upset.
1: Yeah. Uh, does it, I guess this kind of goes back to what we were talking about of starting kind of on those one-on-one relationships and building it, it's that organic. So it's, you gotta take the, the long-term kind of approach in that, not a, um, unfortunately not a simple, you know, one size fits all come down from on high. Yeah,
0: work again, like, you know, and I think it's like, you know, um, it's great having such a great community. And and it's one of the things I love about the skilled trades is you have this community, this network of people skilled, so smart, they call them skilled for a reason. And, you know, being a skilled trades worker has given me these like transferable skills to allow me to do things at home. And sometimes it's not within my trade, like doing my own oil changes, or like I've started working on my own car. It's given me the confidence you know, the base to try different things. And if I'm not sure, I'm going to give it a go before, you know, I pay somebody to do it. Cause I know if I kind of make a mistake, I could call this list of people like this network Mm -hmm. of people, you know, in that trade that will be able to walk me through kind of coach me, you know, how to, how to fix this. And it's one of the most amazing things about, um, the skill trades is, is that network, um, you know, and, and, there are few women, but the truth is, those women that are out there were loud, right? Go to any social media platform, Instagram, LinkedIn, any, but like hashtag women in construction. There we are loud. Like we gather outside of the the workplace if we can. Um, we make Facebook groups to be able to support each other because we know, you know, we're not going to maybe necessarily see each other on a construction site, um, and so we're few, but we're mighty. Um, you just got to go searching for us.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, kind of is a great segue to where I was going to go next of uh, what made you to decide to kind of put yourself out there and tell your story and share your experiences uh, in the trades on social.
0: Um Mental health and like people are kind of passionate or like something I'm passionate about. My previous job before this, like I did some business with training coordinator. And so I spent some time and a manager, I spent time training people and kind of, you know, managing people. And I really kind of learned this passion for that little light bulb, making that light bulb go off. Mm-hmm. And so entering the skilled trades as an apprentice, I'm, I have moments to teach, but they're a little bit few and far between until I'm a journeyman, I'm, I'm a student right now. And so this you know this opportunity gives me that that like being an ambassador and advocate gets me the chance to teach young people and i'm not teaching them like anything electrical like sometimes i teach how to do like basic things switches and receptacles but for the most part i want them to understand the options available to them and that Mm -hmm. has nothing to do with my job that just has to do with i waited till i was 30 years of age to try something and i don't want you to wait that long you know and i don't want you to to spend a bunch of money to realize this might, you know, this may or may not be for you, right? Try it out when you're young. Don't, you know, let the computers and the, the iPads and things of the world dictate whether or not you like is something. And, and don't, you know, don't, don't think you know yourself that well. And what I mean by that is like, I always, my, my best friend Matt, the one who bought the house as well, and we renovated, we go canoeing. For years, we used to just go canoeing down the river. And one year, we finally got a kayak. And he asked me all summer, "Chad, you gotta try this kayak. And I'm like, nope, nope. I love canoeing too much. This is, I just love canoeing because you can lay sun out, suntan- I love canoeing. I didn't try it all year until the next year. Finally, I was like, okay, I'll finally give it a go. Like, I'm so great about it. Well, now I do not, I'm like, given the choice, I want the kayak every time. And so I robbed myself of a year of joy. Not that I didn't enjoy the canoe, but more joy just because I thought I knew myself better right? And so don't think you know yourself 100%. You know, get out and try things, pick up a hammer, pick up a drill, like, you'd be surprised how good it feels to smash down a wall, right? (laughs) So you have to get up and try things. And, and that's what gives me the kind of passion for young, like to tell young people about these things. Because I think nowadays, just because again, I, I know my childhood didn't have as many distract When I say distractions, the one distraction, the phone, right? We had several distractions, but they were outdoors, doing different things. Um, this brings it all to one place, right. but robs them from actually experiencing it.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I think your passion more than more than shines through, which is really really nice to see. You don't get that in a lot of people. So, uh, well, thank you. Keep on keeping on. <laughs> uh, so, if I could give you kind of all construction power for a moment you could snap your fingers and innovate one aspect of the industry what would you choose to to innovate
0: um do you know what innovation let me go to this um a way to like innovation to me is more not so people but like how can we fix things and processes and stuff do you know what was really shocking to me to come to construction is the amount of waste. So here I go to like Tim Hortons and McDonald's of the world. And they've got these signs about saving the world one straw at a time, Mm. right? If you've ever walked on a construction site, the amount of waste is unbelievable. And like, just to put in perspective, what I mean by that? I don't like as an electrical person, when I go to install lights, one light may have The light could come in plastic wrapped in a box. And then there may be a, um, like another, like there's so many, there could be like the actual cover on it. They come all individually wrapped and the driver comes in a separate container. Then like one light could have five, six different pieces coming together and each one's individually wrapped in a box, in a bigger box sent to the site. You don't think we could do something better with this? And do you think there's recycling available? right? Like that, the amount of plastic there, the amount of waste is unbelievable. So like if we could, as a whole, reduce the waste and construction.
1: Right. You take a giant leap forward on sustainability for sure.
0: <laughs> like every, I just, You know, I just think about the the giant plastic patch in the ocean people talk about and I'm just like, Straws ain't making up most of it. Like <laughs> anyways, so we can definitely do better on the, the garbage front um, in construction. Um, yeah.
1: yeah, reduce, reduce, nice.
0: re- recycle.
1: <laughs> that's right, that's right, that's, that's the motto. Uh, well, how do people find out more information and connect with you?
0: Well, I'm across all platforms, you know, and I, and I think, you know, if you have any questions, sometimes people are left with, you know, they don't know, maybe not now, but later they have a question, you know, you can reach out to me. You maybe just need some advice, some support, um, all platforms. You can find me under Shannon to Moscow or sometimes lady volts if you're on other platforms. Um, and so, yeah, if you have questions, you know, reach out if you're yeah, need support even more. So I'm here listening and I'll do my best.
1: Awesome. Well, final question for you. You, you sort of started getting at this in the innovation question, but, What does innovation mean to you?
0: Innovation in general is change. But so like, that's where like, you know, I, I feel like I've kind of talked about where I think we need to change on other fronts, education, the culture needs to change a little bit, but I definitely think that innovation, like in, in waste and how we actually do things is, is could, could change as well. So just getting better. Cause like as human beings, you know, we are constantly presented with new things and we have to, you know, adapt and get better and change. Um, and if you're willing to do that, because not everybody's willing to change, you know, you can only be better.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Well, Shannon, thanks so much for taking the time. I really enjoyed this conversation. This was great.
0: Well, thank you, Todd, for having me, of course. And um, I look forward to um, any chats we have in the future.
1: Absolutely. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take. I really respect and appreciate all that Shannon is doing to be a champion for the skilled trades and helping to reframe the perception of the industry. She mentioned that knowledge is power, which is true. Shannon does a great job helping to disseminate that power with others by being willing to share her story. Second take, it is critical to take time to know the person behind the employee. By taking the time to have a better understanding of people and respect your coworkers, you are actually able to dramatically increase your productivity. And final take, the differences among us are actually the source of our strength as an industry, not a weakness to overcome. It takes all of us collectively to move the industry forward. We all need the different personalities, knowledge, background, and much more. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor Applied Software at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap Podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant. Edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software production. Copyright Applied Software 2022.